fucking bloody podcast, you sons of bitches. It's gonna be the fast edition. My name is Quick Cash, and this is Fast Laurie. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Hang on to your freaking seats, because we're going to go lightning speed. You rat bastards. I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep on calling people rat bastards. <laughs> I think the people I know who act like that call people bastards like as like a, a, a term of endearment. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're the Don Rickles. <laughs> Of the bloody podcast. <laughs> I've always said that, and I believe it. God, I love Don Rickles. Oh. I was auditioning for a uh, short-form improv uh, group, which I later ended up not liking. Not the, the, the group necessarily. The people in, in the group were great, but just short-form was so hard for me because it requires to be you, you to be quick on your feet, and mm-hmm. just not me. Um <laughs> Uh, and uh, I I did a whole Don Rickles. What's up, you hockey pucks? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so shocked that I got in because, like, I just all I did was just be an asshole to everybody. Rickles is the way. I told you I met him, right? No. Oh, yeah. maybe you did, but I forgot how. What was he like? Uh, he was great. A friend of mine uh got uh what's in. His dad's an entertainment lawyer, so he got us tickets to go see him. And then he got us the he gained us the ability to go backstage. And uh, when I met Don Rickles, he asked me what I did, and I told him I was a comedian. And talked to him for like a minute, and he said I was pretty funny. He said he could tell I was funny, and then Aww. it was nice. He was really he's really really sweet. And then at the end of the conversations, he and the, I'm sorry, at the end of the conversation, he uh, he uh, leaned into me, and he was just like, "Listen, I want you to, to pay attention to this. This is really important." Comedy is a really hard business. A lot of people are going to tell you that's not not that you can't do it, but you have it, so don't stop. And I was like, okay, Mr. Rickles. And then he was like, <laughs> and then he said, hey, do me one more favor. Get a mop, get a broom, clean this fucking place up. What's the matter with you? And I was just like, okay. <laughs> Rickled. <laughs> it was the sweetest thing he could have ever said. He didn't have to do any of it. He was no. really, really sweet and really, really nice. And then he was totally Don Rickles for a second, just to let me know. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. That's what I've heard, is that he's just a very kind person. He was. Thank you so much for listening. Also, I want to say only one person did this, but I'm just mentioning this because I would love there to be more people. I guess we had a a bit in one of our uh, previous, recently previous episodes where we talked about gaping vaginas. And oh yeah, Gapes. Yeah, the, mag- Gapes. the, mag- the magazine Gapes. Yeah, and uh, we had one. Well, one woman wants to know if she can get a subscription. One one <laughs> lovely listener and another another lovely listener supplied phot- photos and also uh, was in support of boob Gapes. So it's the gape between boobs, and I would just like to say yes, more of that. I would I love mean, it if we become. If we literally just turn into a magazine service. Sure. <laughs> uh, gape. We also have crevasse, which is the yes. bo- boob gape. Yeah. Also sides, which is just sides of boobs and butts. I saw a mean side boob the other day. Oh, mean. Yeah. Just out there. I was just like, this is the morning time. There's kids walking around. Thank you so much. And if any any other <laughs> lovely people, man or woman, you know, I'm not. hey, I'm not saying that men cannot be a part of this. Show us your boob gape. Show us, show us the space between your boobs. Also, if you do have something that you would love to see in a magazine, such as gapes, or as boob gapes, or as crevasses, as I like to call them, tell us what they are, and we'll yeah. come up with two really great magazine names for them. I assure you. On the fly. Uh, by Rickle we, style. We mean cash. Cash <laughs> will come up with them. All right, you hockey bucks. Hey, you hockey bucks. <laughs> oh man they really regretted hiring me all right so today we're going to be talking about bigamist and now what is a bigamist so a bigamist thank you for asking cash <laughs> no problem a bigamist is a person who marries multiple people and does not get a divorce Pretty so okay. yeah okay so bigamy is actually illegal hmm there, there are a lot of reasons. There's a religious reason for why it's illegal. 
you know, people, some people believe it's, you know, marriage between one man, one woman. And then <laughs> the reason why it's still illegal, even though the definition of marriage has, has changed over the years, is due to tax reasons. That's what I figured. Yeah. So, it all comes down to taxes. And especially in World War, during World War II, there was a, a big uptick in female, females being bigamous because... They what would happen is they would marry multiple soldiers, and then they would re- then they would receive benefits for multiple soldiers. Oh, you got to get your ben- yeah, yeah. You got to get your bennies. That's important. So, also a big thing to bigamy is is like citizenship. So, like let's say you and Maria are married. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm an illegal. I'm not a citizen of the United States, and I go, hey, Cash, you want to get married to give me a citizenship? You're like, okay, that's bigamy. You can't do that. So. What are you offering? Well, I have this new great magazine idea called Crevices. So I don't know if that. If that I've, right. I've already got crevasse. I need you to sweeten the pot. Damn it. Otherwise, you're not getting into this country. You know, I got like $50 worth of Chipotle that I've been sitting on because I just I got sick from Chipotle and I haven't wanted to use the gift card. So I could. You're in. We're going to okay. feed it to the dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if we should give the dogs that. That might be too much. Okay, I hate them. There's a uh, journal. There's a, a journal review called Women's History Review, and it breaks down uh, different things about females. So, for example, like women in the media, women in female serial killers, all that stuff. And so, one of the things they talk about is women who are bigamists. Mm-hmm. And the, however, this is primarily based in the UK and Canada. So there isn't a lot of information in uh, that was found about bigamy in the United States. There were random stories here and there, but again, they were primarily from World War II. Mm. And, you know, we will, we will cover a story there, but that it, she's from Canada. So um, just FYI. So one of the things that was interesting is that when you put the cases of males who are bigamists versus female female bigamists, the females get lighter sentences because the media almost portrays them, the media and the attorneys in the, in the courts almost portray the female bigamists as the victim and not as the perpetrator. Whereas the male males bigamists are you know, they're the perpetrator. They're the ones who are doing this evil. They're preying on these poor defenseless women. It's ridiculous. It's really stupid. So, I mean, pr- prison sentences differing as much as they do, it, it always seems like super criminal. Just yeah. criminal. I mean, I don't, for example, I was listening to the Smartless podcast and Seth Rogen was on and he was talking about weed control in the country and everything. And he's like, yeah, it's really fucked up. There's lots of people who are locked up for smoking weed who who just had weed on them still to this day. And it's just like that dude's had that dude. He's taking pictures with cops who want to smoke weed with him. It's like so fucking insulting. So upsetting. Oh, yeah. That may have been a tangent. I'm sorry. No, it's no, you're fine. It It is true. There are people right now, primarily people of color mm. who have who are still in prison due to three strikes laws because of their just holding on to weed and they are, aren't being let out of prison. And now we're in a, a state where now we're in a, a place where you can literally go to like an Apple store style weed dispensary and pick out like your favorite lollipop flavored weed. Can you imagine getting out after that and then seeing that store and being like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, that is, it's incredibly frustrating. But I think that's the problem with a lot of things is like, it's just waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. And it can be you can become increasingly more and more frustrating. You know, yeah. Yeah. like, I, I find that a lot with like same sex issues. You know, mm. you, you just get to a point where you're just like, on one hand, you, you, you want to celebrate certain passages of laws. And on the other hand, you want to be like, yeah, we should have had this fucking 40 years ago. Like, yeah, no we shit. We should have. <laughs> Why are we celebrating? This is something that should have been happening. People were dying. People have died because this doesn't. This didn't happen. Yeah, it's and so, so fucked up. yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, civil rights, everything. It's just like 
you you you're torn between a moment of like we're making progress and a moment of like we should have made more <laughs> this should have we shouldn't be just crossing the street yeah like, this should have happened by now <laughs> yeah so yeah it's uh so frustrating all right so one thing i thought was interesting was so this is a report that they found where the in uh england and wales they found not new south wales we know that that's in australia so <laughs> yes we do we found that male offenders account for 78.3 percent of bigamy prosecutions between 1857 and 1950 in ireland the proportion was even higher at 90 percent oof yeah, in America, the har- numbers are harder to come by. One man in Man and Wife in America, Hendrik Hartog, he devoted a few pages of his book to bigamy, which he claimed was a common social experience in early America. Most of these unions did not result in criminal pro- prosecutions. So looking into a variety of legal sources, municipal and police reports, a researcher, Timothy Guilfoyle, establishes that 90% of bigamy cases for 19th century New York City deal with men having more than one wife. In a study on the prosecution and policing of bigamy in 19th century New Zealand, Professor Ray Wynne Dalziel found 49 male offenders in, uh, out of 71 cases, so around 69%. The Canadian percentages are more closely resembling New Zealand's experience. In the criminal jurisdiction of Greater Edmonton, women represent 31% of bigamy prosecutions. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's well, I mean, that's exactly what kind of what we expected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, treat the ladies the lightest sentence. What would happen if a lady came up to you and was like, "Lori"? I'm into it. You're into me. Let's fucking get married, dude. I and mean, you were, I mean, not in those words. That's basically how I met Star. Okay. What if so. Star told you she was like, by the way, I got two other wives. They're not as pretty as you, <laughs> but they're there. So we got to try and figure this out. We got to get a barn or something. <laughs> what are we going to do? We got to get a barn. I'd be out at barn. <laughs> I would still, I would be in, possibly still be in at two wives. But as soon as she said, if she said, we got to get a, but I'd be like, no, we're done. Well, I mean, Nothing she could have said, barn. She, she, oh, you didn't let her finish a barn yard. No style. Oh, boutique. No. For. No. Okay. Chipotle. No. <laughs> I tried. I. I have been burned by Chipotle too many times. You really do need to stop. Chipotle, I can't, I haven't had it in a year. Chipotle literally is the abusive relationship that I never had. Like, isn't it, isn't it, didn't you say it's in your fridge right now? No, I have a $50 gift card. Oh. So that's what I meant. I have a $50 gift card that somebody gave me for my birthday. Because, like, I have been known as, like, loving Chipotle for dec- for over a decade. And mm-hmm. so somebody was like, tried and true, getting her a Chipotle gift card. And I was like, I don't have the heart to tell you that I do not eat Chipotle anymore. I'm going to dare you to give it to a homeless person. I, I, I mean, I, I literally would rather give them $50 because I don't want them to die of well, I mean, whatever some... dysentery that Chipotle will eventually <laughs> end up giving them. I dare you to do it. I mean, I don't know. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I, all right, I'll give it to the. There's a homeless guy that lives in the uh, off the freeway. So. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, stay tuned next week to see what happens. <laughs> all right, and we're done. Thank you guys so much. That's it. We just. I just wanted to read some statistics, and <laughs> I bet. I bet people right now are just like, "Ugh, I can't. I can't do it if Maria's not here. I can't do this." <laughs> That's not true. They're thinking about Chipotle and how much uh, they don't want to eat it. So our first criminal, our first lady is Jataka Ashni Reddy. So Jataka is, uh, she was 33. Uh, She was accused of marrying one man on September 27th, 2006 in Vancouver, the Vancouver suburb of Surrey. 
and a second man on January 26, 2008 in nearby Delta while she was already married to a third man. Those dates aren't too far apart. No. No. Yeah, we'll find that these people, they move fat. Like, they're, they get married pretty quickly, which to me, that's the thing that's the most alarming. It's not the bigamy. It's how fast they get married. I mean, just like wedding planning and, you know, getting to know somebody. I'm yeah. just like, wow, they, they really move quickly. Well, I mean, haven't you ever met somebody who's like, oh, we met two weeks ago and we got married and like against all odds, this shouldn't work, but we think it's going to. You know, I know no people who've gotten engaged Mm-hmm. And that's happened, but I have never seen somebody actually make it to the altar. So oh, okay. I've known two groups of people, two sets of people that did that, that married super quick. And I mean, they're both divorced now, obviously. Oh, but, shocking, yeah. Yeah. But I saw it and I was just like, that doesn't seem like a good idea, dude. No. Yeah. I, I, I know somebody right now who's currently in the process, who... If I think if they had their druthers, they would have been married already. They would have been married within the two weeks. Mm-hmm. But the one person is is still technically married, so it's bigamy if they did, got married. So one person's still technically married to somebody else. Oh, interesting. So they've been waiting for over a year for that divorce to be finalized so they can get married. Oof. And I, it's like, honestly, it's kind of funny because... It's just like, oh, I wonder if they're going to stick together through the, <laughs> through the engagement. I hope so. Yeah. So they sort of have been forced to just sort of date while this is happening. Which is yeah, yeah. During the pandemic, no less. A Dharma and Greg situation. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. All right. So... Reddy then tried to sponsor the two men, both foreign nationals, for permanent residency in Canada. So she was charged with two counts of bigamy and two counts of knowingly representing or withholding material facts under the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. Because immigration is a federal matter, the four charges were, are being prosecuted in, a fe- in federal court. Is that more, is that, that's more of a serious matter. That is, yeah. So federal, uh, I think, yeah. I th- just, I, I don't know too much about Canadian courts. Maybe if mm-hmm. there's like a Canadian lawyer uh, person, but it seems just based off what I know of uh, American courts, federal is like that's. I think that's like the hot, the most severe. That can that can be like y- years of your life. Ugh. So. Decades. So, Reddy's first marriage was was April 26, 1997. Reddy, a resident of Edmonton, was a building maintenance worker. She married Ren Binder Candola in... They met in 1994 through a friend and began dating a few months later. After dating for two years, they married in April 1997. Okay. A year later, she sponsored Candola, who is from England, for permanent residency in Canada. Candola said he filled out the forms because Reddy is dyslexic and would not be able to understand what they said. He said he explained the gist of the forms before Reddy signed. Mm. Which, I love when people say the gist... Because the gist is literally just like, it doesn't have to be like, like, it, you're not explaining the form. You're explaining the gist of, the gist is like a summary. So yeah. the gist is like, this is for my legalization status. That's the gist. So you're not explaining the, you're not like, I'm signing here to document that I, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not a legal <laughs> argument that, I, oh, I gave her a, su- a short summary of what I, what I did. <laughs> like, okay, great. <laughs> Just the gist, Your Honor. Yeah. At first, the couple was in love, but over the years, they just grew apart, according to Candola. They separated in the summer of 2005. Candola explained, we just weren't happy. Mm. About four or five months after separating, Candola said he told Reddy that he would handle the divorce. He even went as far as buying a home divorce kit from an office supply store, but never filled out the form. <laughs> 
see now that's fun <laughs> home divorce kit that's i wonder if like to me that would be like i don't know how you feel if you have an embarrassing but whenever i buy like I always feel a, not embarrassed, but just slightly like, oh, but like such a like a stereotype when I have my period and I buy tampons and chocolate together because I'm always like, oh, these people know what's up, you know? So it's like, oh, yeah, I have that with like, you know, all the racial stereotype stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, getting to go in somewhere to get some fried chicken. It's always like, mm, yeah, well, that's do this real quick. Yeah. <laughs> do this real fast. Yeah. Nobody look at me. <laughs> Nobody talk to me. And like, I won't let anybody watch me eat it. A home divorce kit. It sounds like it comes with like rub on tattoos and stuff. Yes. Like mini airplane bottles of gin. Yeah. And just like the tiniest, the tiniest packet of tissues. (laughs) Like a miniature altar that you can like burn. (laughs) Yeah. Just a paper mache voodoo doll of your, so if you can make up your ex, of your ex. Man or woman. Oh, after a while, he got, he said he got the impression she would handle the divorce. So this douche, (laughs) so this already, I feel like this one isn't really her fault. This isn't Reddy's fault because I feel like he, he went so far as to say he had to fill out the paperwork for his legalization status because she's so dyslexic. But then when it came to the divorce, he told her he was going to do it, but then didn't do it, and then just said, just assumed that she would take over. That's a guy. That's a very guy attitude to have. That's, that's, that's definitely part of being a man. The couple did not speak regularly after separating, nor did they discuss the, their possible divorce. Reddy and Kendola remained legally married, although they are estranged. They have not spoken for years. I still care about her. If she needed help, I would help her out. That's about as far as it goes. I'm not in love with her, he said. (laughs) Well, that's nice. So then in 2006, she married Ranjit Singh. In June 2008, Singh, an Indian citizen, applied for permanent resident status. And on December 31st, 2010, Singh filed for divorce, but it was never granted. I mean, he was ready. That was a new year. That was a New Year's resolution for sure. That was like, I'm getting a divorce today. I get a divorce, dude. Oh yeah, prove it. All right, all right. Well, let's go get a divorce home kit. Yeah, watch this. <laughs> I just went to Office Max. Yeah. <laughs> In January 2008, Reddy married a third man, so she was still married to Singh Ravinder here. Here applied for permanent residence status in June 2008, and he filed for divorce in November 2009, but it was not granted. So while she was, she's still married to Kendola, right? Mm-hmm. She gets married to Ranjit in 2006. Two years later, she gets married to Ravinder. Then a year later, Ravinder files for divorce, and then a year later, Ranjit files for divorce. <laughs> the problem here is that Reddy loves love. Yeah. And clearly yeah. she loves love. But the other guys, they think that they love love, but maybe they don't know what love is. So when they find out what love is, it's too much love. Yeah. I mean, I think it answers the question of I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No. I yeah. won't do that. Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't find any information about the, the trial, but I thought this was interesting. She, so she mm-hmm. surrendered to authorities. As soon as they issued an arrest warrant, they surrendered to authorities. This one, I don't necessarily feel like is her fault. Not because, look, I think it's grave. It's just sheer laziness. That's what I think. I think. The other two were willful, uh, you know, you can definitely see, in my opinion, that there was some, you know, they knew what they were doing. This one, I feel like people did file for divorce. Mm -hmm. So they did actually, you know, they did go through the, you know, except for Candola, the first marriage, that's really on that guy. The other two, they filed for divorce, but it wasn't granted. So, you know, 
it's not her fault that paperwork can't get filed fast enough. She's got, you know, she can't wait for love. No, no, nothing should get in the way. No. <laughs> or to get out of love, nothing should get in the way. Not New Year's, not Christmas. Nothing. Not nothing. <laughs> so she surrendered to authorities when it, a warrant was issued and was released on bail on the condition she not marry anyone else and not sponsor for immigration without consent of the court, which I would have loved if she would have <laughs> pretend if she would have asked the court to let her help with somebody's immigration status. Man, that would have been so fucking funny. Oh man, that would have been great. Or if she would have married somebody that, that to me, then I would have been like, okay, she's, you know, obviously. Yeah. Bananas. A crazy person. Your Honor, we couldn't help it. We fell in love. Where were you? At the Circle K? <laughs> Where okay. love is formed. I mean, I think that's their motto, right? The judge is like, mm, I'm going to allow it, but watch yourself, Freddie. Now, I want to see, I'm just going to throw this out there. There's a common theme with the last two women, and I'm just going to throw it out there so... Listen to this woman's name and then listen to the other woman's name when we get to her. So the next woman's name is Irene Hornby. And she was found to have married, they think, up to four to seven husbands. Four to seven? Four is the low, the low end. Damn. The low end. Yeah. But the crazy thing was, is that the, the way that the... Uh, <laughs> I just think it's so funny the way that the uh, newspaper had it. It was almost like it was like they had they showed pictures of her and then they would show pictures of a bed, a randomly like messy bed. (laughs) (laughs) And then they would do like captions about like, you know, all. And it was just like a crazy. So they did like like the randomly messy bed. They had this caption. I think I sent it to you. So if you want to read it, it's like an old timey. Yeah, sure. Order. This is really classy. This is like New York Post shit. Husband number four, Dash, an army man, left barracks one night to visit his wife and found husband number three, Van Tessel, there. Number four was probably tossed out by number three with the admonition, that'll teach you to bother my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, so she... So then she, so she, I, I really want to read one. I, I'm going to do it way shittier than you are. Okay. But it's just, to me, I just love it so much. I just think it's so funny. <laughs> it is axiom, axiomatic that a sailor has a sweetheart in every port, but Avira Taylor put reverse English on the idea. She had a sailor in every porthole. Rub-a-dub-dub. Seven in a tub? So... <laughs> <laughs> So she she managed to accumulate an even half dozen seagoing husbands in less than a year, and she collected dependency allotments on all six. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So Who loves a sailor? Well, Avira does. Clearly. <laughs> she can't wait for shore leave. So she was getting $50 a month per husband. So that was $300 total. This was during World War II. She's raking in the dough. And as they said, again, as they said on the thing, and that ain't hay. (laughs) (laughs) Man, what a time for quips, you know? What a time. There's so much. I mean, honestly, literally, we could just, there's so many good like randomly weird like it just reads like a script from a from a uh, old-timey <clears throat> news reporter mm-hmm. she's a hell of a thief why she had stickier hands than molasses elvira's technique was perfect she worked in a dama dance a girl in one of norfolk's hotspots hence met plenty of lonely servicemen blonde tempters preferred the navy she said soldiers propositions never proposed anyhow Whatever the reason, she succeeded She succeeded in wedding six sailors the day before she each left for the South Pacific. She was hard at work on her seventh when her marrying career was brought to a sudden end by the kind of coincidence which only could happen in a movie. How was she caught? Well, 
two of her husbands were stationed together. Uh-oh. And they both got to talking. Uh-oh. And they both started talking about their beautiful bride that they met at a dance hall. And they were like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> That's crazy. We got a lot in common. We should be friends. Let's take a look at each other's wives and then give each other a hug. All right. Legs look good. I'm covering the face. <laughs> me too. What a, what a pair of gams on yours. All Ring right. Ding, move, ding. Moving up to the body. I'm getting a sinking suspicion in my stomach. <laughs> I don't know why I'm countrying. <laughs> I'm feeling a little shifty in the gills myself. Whoa, uh, look, at those, look at those bazongas. I feel like I've seen that neck before. I've uh, definitely seen that neck before. I've chewed on it maybe a night. Oh! Oh! My stars and goddess, we're going to have to have a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're enjoying this too much. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's basically it. So she was arrested and charged with money fraud. <laughs> basically sent to prison for an unknown amount of time. That's fun. So, yeah. So that's pretty fun. Next story is Emily Horn. Yes, Horn. <laughs> I don't know why. I just get a big kick out of the fact that Two women are named Horn. The Horny Horns, Hornsbees. The Horny Horns, yeah. The Horny Horns. There's a documentary out called The Female Bigamist. And I feel like her story is a little more... She's definitely a bigamist, but I feel like she's also just like a, a pathological liar. Oh, yeah. Like, she... There were things that they talked about in the story where she talked about, like... Her brother died from meningitis. And then you find out that like her brother didn't die. And her first husband's brother died of meningitis. And so he like got really upset when he heard that because he was like, oh, I know why she said that. And so she, she, she claimed that she had cancer, which I think is a big thing for pathological liars <laughs> to claim they had cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've dated two pathological liars and it's nuts. It's nuts because it's just like, they're like, they reach out into the ether of something that's been mentioned. And then all of a sudden that happened to them. And it's just like, you are lying about truthful things. That's crazy. You're a crazy person. Yeah. It's crazy, crazy stuff. She also, what I thought was so crazy was she, she does this thing that I think pathological liars do where I think they think that they're like covering their tracks where they'll just be like, I don't want to talk about that because that's just too emotional for me. Uh It's like, yeah, because you don't have a way to defend it, you bullshitter. Like, (laughs) liar. (laughs) So, Emily Horn, and also like, I just, it's one of those things where, um, I will say this in the documentary, this is just my own ire, but I feel like there are times where men, when things happen to, when women do things to men, there are times where I feel like where men will be like, they are like fine being sexist to women because it's like, oh yeah, she's ugly. Like she, she doesn't deserve that, you know, or she's a cow, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, like you're just, you had that locked and loaded. Yeah, you were ready to be mean before the question was asked. <laughs> yeah, but I will say this. They bring up several times in that documentary that she she was attractive in her own way. And I firmly believe <laughs> that when you when you see her, you'll go, she's attractive in her own way. Like she's like she's got her own special charm. Oh, my God. Can you send me a photo of this person just so yes. I can see? She looks like somebody who smells really bad. She looks like someone who smells. <laughs> All right. Can you see? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, That's I mean, the- she looks like, she looks like, uh, she looks like a lady who I used to work in the kitchen with. Yeah, yeah. she definitely looks like there was a woman that I, I knew who didn't have thumbs. <laughs> Okay, Laurie. And she, All right. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's what's so funny. 
is that and i get that this is like i get why she did this but when i the very first time i met her she said she <laughs> she said hi my name's sandra um i'm just gonna let you know right now i don't have thumbs i'm gonna shake <clears throat> your hand i'm not gonna have a thumb <laughs> i get why she did that but the of first course time, I, of course i understand why she did that the of first time sandra. it happens it's so jarring because you're just like she said it so fast and you're like i am processing information like Cause she says that shit all the time she's like dude blah blah blah. i don't have thumbs let's fucking go yeah um was she born without thumbs or were, were they was it an accident so she was born without thumbs yeah she had so so she did it's not like she didn't have like she had like a a nub that but, is so rough. Yeah. But it was crazy because until I met her, until I didn't realize how much thumbs do. Oh, dude. They and do so, everything. They so grab, I, they lift, they yeah. play video games. They have... Ugh. So she was always... I was always like doing things like handing her things or doing stuff. And she'd be like, hold on. And I'd be like, oh, what? You know, like grab it. And then I was like, oh, you need thumbs. Like, you need, <laughs> you need thumbs. I was an asshole. I was an asshole teenager. So I'm just going to let you know right now, like none of the story, none of my side of the story is, is good. Like I'm not a good, I don't come out looking good on this. I mean, you make her sound like she has like nicknames for everybody. She's like, Hey chief. Hey tiger. Just so you know, I don't have any fucking thumbs. Let's fucking cut the shit. She did. (laughs) She did call everybody dude. Hey dude. But it was mainly because she didn't remember anybody's name. So she'd be like, Hey dude, what's up, dude? Hey, dare, dude. I got no yeah. thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> we are like, we know, Sandra. <laughs> yeah. Sandra, we know. We know. She, at 33, she was charged with two charges of fraud by false representation and asked for a further three similar offenses to be taken into account. She was in breach of a suspended sentence imposed in May 2009 when she was convicted of bigamy. She married seven men. Total. Good number. Good number. Yeah. And she even went uh, one time, cropped her hair and wore a baggy football shirt and trousers to trick the doctor to, into believing she was Craig Hadwin, her seventh husband, so she could procure sleeping pills. Well, I mean, she could pull it off. The judge told her, now, mind you, I'm go- I'm jumping into the future, or I'm jumping. I'm gonna go back into the past and talk about the marriages. But I'm. This is like her last court date. So this is after she's been found guilty of bigamy and all this stuff, and now she's trying to get drugs and stuff. And the judge tells her, "You have become terribly, terribly close to being sent to prison. Just fucking send her to prison. Why is she terribly, terribly close to being sent to prison?" I don't know. She should just do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. The judge imposed a 12-month community order with supervision and a 28-day electronically tagged curfews from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So she was three years earlier, so 2006, she was married for only one. She was caught as that's when she was caught as a serial bigamist. She was married only one time legally in December 1996, the day after her 18th birthday. Over the years, she changed her name several times and took part in six more wedding ceremonies, never telling her new partner she was married. She also worked as a glamour model and appeared in adult films. What? Yeah. How? I mean, I, you know, it's honestly, I think you just film yourself and you put it up i don't think that i don't think it's that hard to appear in an adult film i mean technically if i take my boob out right now we've appeared in an adult film i guess that's the case i don't know it's tricky technically if you take your boob out right now, <laughs> i realized i didn't want to do it um <laughs> she was uh diagnosed with a personality dis- disorder her defense attorney said that she has really in effect been incapable of being honest in relationships. That's a good, that's an excuse. Yeah. So she changed her name in 2010 to Max Acastas Quiberon. Uh, It's kind of Game of Thronesy. Yeah. I bet she likes the Targaryens. 
She claimed she had cancer, that she was positive for HIV, that she had a baby die in infancy, <laughs> and that her sister succumbed to a fatal drug overdose. Those are just some of the things that she lied about. I love this article says... Oh, my God. Yet right. this is no smoldering femme fatale. <laughs> oh, man. This is no smoldering femme fatale. She's rough. On the eyes, that is. Her first husband was, let me see, Paul Rigby, a fellow pupil at Millthorpe High School in York, who went on to join the Royal Irish Regiment, but met Horn again on her 18th birthday when home on leave. She was a bright and brazy good looker with nice eyes, big sparkly eyes, and a happy smile. I was quite smitten. She manipulated me. She did all the running. We were at her place, and she said, let's get married. I said, why not? <laughs> they married at York Register Office in December 1996 while Rigby was posted abroad. He wrote loving letters to her, but when he came home after six months, she had disappeared. She, con she contacted him only once to claim she had given birth to their daughter, who had died at seven months from meningitis. Oh, that's what she... Yeah, so she claimed a daughter died of meningitis. Mm. Rigby would love to hear from her so he can get divorced. I hope she writes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sucks. She was working behind a bar in a bowling alley in Leeds and calling herself Emily LeCount when she met worker Sean Cunningham and moved in with him. Two weeks later, she presented him with a ring box in front of his friends and colleagues. So she proposed to him. When I opened it, there was an engagement ring inside and next to it, a note saying, you know what to do with it. So, to say I was shocked is an understatement. We'd only known each other two minutes. <laughs> two minutes? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, relatively two minutes. Okay, yeah. I was like, wait. In February 1999, they married at Lee's Register office, only for Horn to leave weeks later to work as a ch chef in Norway. There she met electrician Leif Arn Arne Dalsblas, a divorced father of two, and was soon pressing him to marry her. She kept saying she kept saying marriage would give her security, but I wasn't ready for marriage again so soon, said Dalsplas. Five months later, Horn went home for Christmas, and he never heard from her again. She had oh moved God. back in with Sean Cunningham, only to leave him again for his friend and best man, S Simon Thorpe. Oh, not Simon. He sucks. So Simon was a retail credit officer. He admitted he found her intoxicating. And proposed her four, four months into their relationship. Their romance cooled when Thorpe discovered that contrary to her claims, Horn's sister had not died of a drug overdose, but was at university. Nor had Horn given up a baby up for adoption as a teenager, as she claimed. I bet that, I bet that she's just super personable. She's got a really fucking spicy personality and people were just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was about that documentary. It's really interesting. She the I think it was her second husband says like she she just fo she focuses all of her energy on you. So mm. he was saying like he had been in relationships before, but he had just never been with somebody who just like focused all of her energy on him. It just made him feel like special. So I think that's probably why men, you know, really went for her. Because she just sort of like really was like interested in what they had to say and, and do and stuff like that. Jesus Christ. So Horn then met Chris Barrett, a website designer from Rotherham on a bus. Two months later in December 2000, there was another wedding at Leeds Register office. Horn moved with her third husband into her second husband's home, convincing each man that the other was just a friend. So... <laughs> Yeah, and the documentary, basically what happened was is her second husband, they they sort of just drift apart. And basically, he just takes a job in another area. And so he kind of just leaves. And then, like, every almost every guy claims, like, once we get married, things just cool dramatically. So it's almost like she just loves the pomp and circumstance of a yeah. marriage. Yeah, she loves the pageantry of it all. Yeah. And I think it's like a drug. And then once the drug, once it wears off, she realizes like, oh, shit, I'm stuck with this, you know, boring oaf. 
And so then she sort of moves on to her next project or her next fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he had a house. The second husband moves away for work, and then she sort of is doing her own thing. And then he has he moves back. He lost his job. He moves back home. He doesn't have enough money to pay rent, and he randomly runs into Emily. And they and she says, "Well, I why don't me and this other guy that I know move in there and pay rent?" And so they like all live together. Oh my god! In February two thousand one, she walked out on both of them. Bye, she, boys. Barrett went to the police, and Horn received a caution. Husband number four was train guard James Matthews. They ended up in bed on the first night, and within a month, she was li- living in his Victorian home in Ipswich. Oh God! Now calling herself Emiliana Carmichael, she proposed to him by text. I thought, well, I'm serious enough about her to consider it, so I said yes. Their <laughs> wedding took place in, 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 in Ipswich. What are you doing, man? <laughs> a bunch of morons. In uh, 2002, Horn admitted to a previous marriage but claimed it had been annulled. After the wedding, she confessed she was a bigamist and left her groom to move in with his friend. When she ref- refused to return to him, Matthews went to the police. In January 2004, using the name Carmichael, Horn pleaded guilty to bigamy on Ipswich Crown Court and was jailed for six months. In 2007, Horn was again exchanging marriage vows, this time with salesman Ashley Baker, whom she had met a month earlier while working in a massage parlor in Rockdale. The bride wore jeans and a vest top for the ceremony at Chatterton Town Hall, and the reception was a Chinese buffet. The bombshell came on the train, taking them to Scotland for their honeymoon when she produced a sheaf of newspaper cuttings and, you know, basically confessed that she was a bigamist. My favorite part is this quote says, I was in love with the girl, but she played me for a fool. She told me she had womb cancer. (laughs) She is flying with that cancer shit, man. I know. It's like every form of cancer you can have. She's like, well, I, I have cancer. What kind of cancer? Toe? Yeah. They always have to pick some weird kind of cancer. It can never just be like regular, you know. <laughs> In 2009, Horn appeared at Manchester Crown Court, her latest bigamist marriage having come to light when she falsely accused Baker of assault. But the judge gave her a 10-month suspended sentence because she had made significant progress in treatment for her mental disorder. that's fun. Also in court was her boyfriend, Wayne Harper. She had moved in with him and his parents in Kings Wind Ford, West Midlands, days after meeting him in a hospital A&E department. Yeah, so one thing I think is interesting when you watch the documentary is the sister and and the mother of the new boyfriend, like, you could tell that they love their son and they do feel sorry for max whatever her name is mm-hmm. alicastis or whatever emily horn but they don't trust her as far as they get there are right one of the things they they talk about is that she moved in they met and like within a week she was living with them and she like runs down the stairs and claims that she's pregnant and the sister the sister was like the math just doesn't work like, you, there's no way. So, well, first off, she claims she's pregnant. Then, like, literally, like, not even seven days later, she claims that she lost the baby. But, like, they were like, there's no way that she could have met her, their son, met this guy, you know, met mm-hmm. her brother, had sex, and then found out she was pregnant within that a lot of time. There's just no way. Yeah. It's just too soon. And so, like, what was really funny is then they go... <laughs> They're like talking with Emily and they're like, and you were pretty mad at us. You were pretty mad at us. You didn't talk to us for like a whole month. And then Emily's like, oh, I don't think it was that long. And the sister's like, no, it was a whole month. <laughs> Verbatim. Oh, man, I thought that was so funny. Just a interesting factoid. The most famous bigamist on record is Giovanni Vigiliotto, a man who had 105 wives. Damn. For some reason, I want to make him sound like a, a vampire. Is that name? <laughs> yeah. What's his name again? Giovanni what? Giovanni Vigliotto. Giovanni Vigliotto. 
Oh, don't even ask me about what types of cancer I have. Oof. <laughs> He's also got cancer. Oh, yes. Don't you know? I got, We're all... <laughs> I got the testicle hair cancer. It's a yes. new kind of cancer. Oh, my testicle hair is so cancerous. Anyways, how about we get married down by the coast? <laughs> if, you're, if you're asking people to marry you and you're telling them they have cancer, well, you don't have cancer. You're a piece of shit. And if you are the kind of person who's going to be like, yeah, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. You're an idiot. Yeah. You got some growing up to do. Lori and I are very disappointed in you. <laughs> go to your room. You cannot have dinner Max. tonight. Max, go to your room. Go to your room, Max. Go to your room. Don't marry anybody while you're up there. There's a knock at the door. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I hear uh, I hear you you have a young lady in there by the name of Max, is it? It's two it's it's in it's different time periods. This was in nineteen thirty. Emily Horn was in two thousand six. I but I would love for them to have met at some point and just see each other and just like nod at each other. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter. He's a fucking vampire, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He probably has been behind the scenes the entire time. Like, oh yeah, you're doing good, Emily. He's pu- he's totally pulling out a stat. That's just yeah. like Christmas Slater. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Let me tell you the history of Eagle <laughs> All right, well, that's it for Bloody Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And again, like, let us know what you're into. What kind of gapes? What kind of what yeah. kind of body parts? What kind of things? Weird, not it doesn't even be a body part. What kind of weird things are you into? And we'll come up with some magazine titles for you. And who knows? You know, we are doing so well. We might even fucking come out with a goddamn magazine. Yeah. Also, let us know how much you miss Maria because we missed her a ton. <laughs> we definitely, we definitely were lacking Maria. That's, I feel like if you could. No, I feel like we did great. I feel like we generally both were just like, I, I think we both are, are we both miss her. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Bye. Goodbye.